Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome back once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. I'm your host, David Lewis, and here is where we talk about the methods and technologies for driving growth, key to being successful in any marketing operation, uh, any marketing team, any uh, organization, whether it's B2B or B2C, uh, let's face it, the, it's the people. It's the people on your team that are going to have the greatest impact, the tools, the technologies, the methods, all super, super important, but it's really about your team and, and how they use those tools and apply the methods that they have learned. So I'm very excited to introduce our guest in just a moment as we dive into the topic of building out your marketing team. What's nice on today's episode is both uh, my guest and myself are right in the midst of building out our marketing teams. And so we'll, you know, contrast and compare some of the things that we are both doing to give you guys insights and in how we're structuring a modern marketing organization and how that might be related to maybe the changes that you're making in the team that you're building or how you're currently structured today. All right, let's dive in. Danielle, thank you so much for joining. David, thank you. Danielle Balestra is out of the Bronx which is, uh, brings a big smile to my face because I grew up on Long Island myself. Uh, and so it's, uh, it's always nice to reconnect with someone from New York. My heart is still there, greatest city I think in the world. But I've lived in California for a mighty long time. And you've, I mentioned uh, as we were kicking off, you've been at Goodwin now for how many months? Just since January, joined just recently. Just getting started and building out your marketing team. And you guys are in the law industry. Yeah, so we're a global law firm. It's an excellent firm. Really enjoying my time here. Nice, nice. Well, let's let's dive in right to the episode. When you got there, um, tell us about the process that you used for kind of assessing uh, the current structure you had, the team that you had, and how you started prioritizing what roles to fill out. So I came in uh, with very clear directions from the leadership team. They were looking to bring on their CRM fully. They were running two different CRMs at the same time. So I, I had an a inkling guess that maybe this could be a, the reason why this software did not complete its transition might've been some personnel issues as well as potentially um, knowledge. So when I joined, I reviewed all the teams. I found one team to be extremely um, overwhelmed. You know, we have a great process of ticketing our requests for our web team. So I immediately knew that we needed to transition and bring uh, some people on board to help with the amount of requests coming through that group. I also identified that there was some knowledge um, lacking for our CRM, but some strengths in our email systems. So the person who was sort of straddling two systems, giving that person more direct, clear um, um, tasks and items that she had to um, oversee instead of trying to learn something that was out of reach. And also finding there was a need to um, have people on the team that were excited to grow and, and go forward. So there's a few people who raise their hand saying, we actually want to move to different divisions and helping them move to those places within Goodwin was really great. So we were able to help other teams out while we bring in new power stars uh, for, to fill in their spaces. Um, and also there was just some strange roles that did not make sense. So some of the things I did look at was what are we being requested of every day? Is, is this stuff that can be automated or is these, are these tasks things 
that do need human interaction. I found a lot of these things needed to be automated. And what we were lacking were people who understand and want how to do those automations. And then the things that we were not doing, we don't have people on the team do, there to take on those new tasks. So identifying the holes in the team, where, where should we be heading as a, as a group going to the next level with our marketing technology? When you looked at the team that you had, uh, I'm sure you're looking at each of the individuals, their roles, responsibilities. And I was just talking about this yesterday with one of my managers. We use a process, two, two things I think are really helpful when you're starting out. One is to approach your organization structure without an org chart perspective, but an accountability chart, which means you're not worrying about who reports to who, and you're not even thinking about it at first with the people. It's just almost like think of index cards out on the table and writing on those index cards, maybe five or six bullet points of what do I need um, a resource, a team member to do? And then you just map it all out like that. And then you might think, okay, I need a head of marketing operations. Maybe if your marketing automation system requires a level of administration that you've got someone dedicated for that. Maybe you've got someone who's responsible for data and, and analytics. Anyway, we use this accountability chart approach and then from there, it gets into an org chart at some point. And the second piece of that is using um, what we call GWC, Danielle, which is now that I want to put butts in seats, the G is, do they get it? The W is, do they want to do it? And the C is, do they have the capacity or capability to do it? I say or because it, it's really capacity, but in that word from the way that we approach it, it's, do they have the time but also do they have the, the skills, the expertise, soft skills, hard skills to do it? So we've, we, we do a combination of things as we've been building out our team as we started with the accountability chart and I can talk later about what ours looks like. Um, since you had existing team members, you know, I, we, we're building this completely from scratch. So there was no butts in seats. What, what do you do? What was your approach to figuring out um, what the organization needs to look like and then taking a look at the people that you have? It was very similar to what you were talking about with this GWC. I love that acronym now. Um, it was about trying to figure out what is the day-to-day -day that the firm needs from us. So a lot of things that they need from us is our emails. We need to help them with events. So all the event um, systems, software needs to be programmed. We need to help them with all their biography updates on the website, all the content being put on the website. My team also does something different. It's not normal um, in anywhere outside of law firms. Our operations team is actually more administrative. They focus more on budgets and contracts, and there's just a huge volume of it. So also reassessing, figuring out, like you said, that capacity and time, how many people are going to need to help us move all these materials through our systems, help project manage all those contracts through. And also just understanding a lot of the technology that the firm had gotten in the past was sort of all over the place. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I immediately wanted to bring a solutions architect in here and help me methodically pick out the right softwares to talk to the core stacks that we have in place with our web technologies and our CRM technology. So make sure that we're building around the technology so that all the data in the future could be reported. They're also, you know, just trying to find out how the marketing team worked, how the sales teams work, which we call client development here. What could we support? How could we be more proactive instead of reactive? It was another thing I was noticing is that there was a lot of reactiveness happening. 
you know, wasn't a really proactive environment. We weren't anticipating what, what they needed from the firm and need to change that around. And we had a lot of people on, on the team that can be that. So also empower them, make sure they understand like they can do this. And if they could do this, what would they do? So it was a lot of listening and learning from the teams about what we've been doing, where the opportunities were, how we can keep going along the growth curve as opposed to just task taker type of groups. How could we be our strategic partner to market and client development and the firm in general? Nice. When you uh, have gone about now staffing these positions and reorganizing, what's it like for you right now in, the, in this labor market, finding the talent that you need? Uh, one of the hardest positions we had to fill was finding a Microsoft Dynamics CRM administrator. And wow, we found an amazing woman. So I hats off to my talent management team for helping me find this person. That, that was probably the most difficult role to fill. Um, we had a couple of roles that opened up. Some people chose to leave. Um, so we had to backfill some things when we were trying to fill junior people. So putting pauses on junior roles while we're filling in the leadership roles so they can have more of a say over their team that they're going to be managing. Um, some of the roles have actually been rather quick to fill, which was great. Some of them have been taking a lot longer. The marketing operations roles are a little bit more difficult because they're not normal. Mm -hmm. They're normal for law firms where they're but anyone else that hears about marketing ops, they're thinking that sort of Marketo, Bardot type of job, that's not what this is. So we just have such low applicants in that role because of the way the job descriptions are that we've had to adjust the way we present it externally, knowing that internally we're going to call it marketing operations. But externally, it becomes more of like a marketing admin role because mm -hmm. um, you're dealing with contracts and budgets. And that again, it's not what a normal marketing operations groups are. So, but most of the cases we found just amazing people. Some of them we've had to actually prospect out of their current roles, and some of them um, have applied directly to us, which nice. has been excellent. Yeah. So, how much when you're looking to staff the team in these technology roles or operations roles, are you looking for them having certain platform expertise? Is that high on the hiring priority or, or not as much? depends on the technologies and, and tools. So Microsoft Dynamics is our CRM, and I really needed a strong Microsoft Dynamics administrator. I do believe that when it comes to your CRM, you do need a person who really understands it. I find it's very hard to try and switch from like a Salesforce administrator to being a, a, a Dynamics administrator. There are very different systems, and usually People in the Salesforce world want to stay with Salesforce. They don't want to switch over to a different tool. Whereas the emailing tools and our web tools, people are a little bit more fluid with that. Mm -hmm. And um, in some cases, we're trying to bring junior people in and train them. So we have strong leadership who's very confident and, and understands the tools and have the time to put in to train these people to make them the best administrators of Sitecore or you know the best people on our emailing tools. And there are some tools we're going to be reviewing this year. So I also don't want to bring certain roles in where they're married to a technology, buy a new technology, and then have them scared off because that's not what they want to be working on. Yeah. So for me, I was very um, particular about certain roles having certain tech experience, and other ones were more about the competency. How sure. smart are you with email? How smart do you understand what it need, what you need to be doing? Do you understand if there is automation, how it potentially could work in the different systems? 
Um, Cause even, you know, I, my personal experience, I have worked on a couple of different emailing systems. They do all vary, but you can pick them up. And if you have the core foundation of understanding how to create a campaign, how to create an audience to trigger it through, it's something you can do. It, it is a challenge. There is definitely a learning curve, but it's something that you can do. I yeah. think the CRM administration is much more difficult because you have so much data structure, data, um, like you have a lot of different um, automations that have to happen. Coding is different. So that's the one area I didn't want to stray. Agree with that 100%. I think, you know, going from Salesforce to Dynamics, if you don't have any Dynamics experience, like you said, you need to get stuff done and you need this person to hit the ground running and you already have an existing CRM. So uh, harder there, but yeah, going from one CMS to another, that's, there's a lot of knowledge porting you can do there. Uh, look, going from an Eloqua to a Marketo or a Pardot to a Marketo or whatever direction that is, there's a lot of core principles that you uh, can bring across and learn. So less requisite there, but you know, certainly ideal cust ideal higher profile as someone who's got the chops on your marketing automation and, and CRM. We have a really, really huge practice in Microsoft Dynamics here at BDO Digital. That's one of the core services we provide out in the market. And I think that one of the reasons that group uh, is thriving so much is because there's a, a real shortage in talent. Oh. So kudos to you guys for for finding someone a rock star. I was very aware of that when I when I found out what we were working on. And I think I was at a major detriment because I did not have a network of Dynamics users uh, personally. I knew a thousand Salesforce administrators. Yeah. So if I needed Salesforce admins, I knew them all over the place. So I was starting also from scratch and I really leaned into talent acquisition to try and make sure they understood Dynamics had to be in every single job rec and we had to just clear out anyone who did not have several years of use of it. And the person we found who's amazing is just as excited as the person who's on Salesforce. She really understands the tool. Yeah. She knows it. She's down there in the weeds. She already came in with a ton of uh, potential improvements to our system right off the bat. And I, I'm confident in what we, we brought in with her. So she's doing great. Yeah. I remember in the last year, I decided to move from knowing Final Cut as my video editing software. Uh, that's not for demand gen TV or demand gen radio, but on the personal side of my life, I love to make vacation videos and a little compilation of our family trips afterwards. And I always knew Final Cut, but then I said, okay, I'm going to learn DaVinci, uh, which is a really great video editing system. And so many of the things were portable, but then the new capabilities, you know, you, you, you need to know the differences and thank God for YouTube. There's so much you can learn out there these days. Let's talk a little bit about um, what the team will look like, you know, let's say by the end of this year, how many people, what are some of the key roles that you are you're filling out? So I think we have about 15 at the end. Um, we have five direct reports to me. So there are, uh, the way the law firm goes director, then there's senior manager, manager, which I think in some other places might be VP director, manager. So I have a couple different direct reports. Um, some teams like the web team, there will be five people plus a co-op. So another cool thing we have here at Goodwin, uh, we're participating in Northeastern University's co-op program. So we get a student awesome. who joins us. They have to apply. We went through um, interviews earlier this winter to get our July co-ops. So we actually have three that will be joining our teams, but one nice. of them is on the web team. So they'll be here from, I believe it's July until December, and they'll be working right alongside um, the full team. We're also trying to add a person on the web team in Europe because our offices are growing uh, internationally. So we need more coverage in those time zones. 
the email team is growing from, it was really like one person full-time to and a half to now there will be three full-time employees focusing on our email section and a co-op. So that's another group that's going to have a good bench strength um, at the end of this transition. Our CRM team is going from, again, not a really dedicated, one dedicated person to two dedicated people, a senior manager, and then um, there's a person who's a coordinator level. There is also a, um, like I said, one solution architect at this point, helping me with making sure we get the stack all together. And then our operations team, we have um, a senior manager, and then there will be a specialist and an assistant and a co-op. So that team also went from a one person, there was one person here and this poor woman burned herself out. Uh She managed it for two years all the way by herself and it was way too much for her. So we went from one person to now there was going to be four. Wow. So yeah, like (laughs) it, it was needed. It was needed. This poor group was just so overwhelmed. And, you know, when they're building out budgets at the same time as keeping the day to day, they have to work weekends and nights. As a manager, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear people are doing that. They need to make sure they have time to shut down, to reset, to be stronger and smarter every day they come in. And if you don't have time to, to turn things off and you have to keep working because you have no bandwidth to do all that's coming at you, like that's a problem. So I needed to address that uh, and make sure that we had enough people to cover the day-to-day work and allow people to take their time to come in refreshed and come in ready. Because this group, I also want them to work on analytics. We don't really have a strong analytics group here. And I want them to help with the foundation. They're getting the budgets. They get to see the expenses. They get to see what's happening. They're the perfect team to help us connect all the initiatives back and make sure that we have an understanding of ROI. So once we get the full team in place, I'm trying to get them more involved with our analytics uh, projects and help us make sure we have consistent naming conventions across all digital platforms. Wow. Lots to do. It's exciting. It's, um, I mean, you're not building from scratch, so you've got probably some technical debt, uh, to deal with as well. How are you? So we talked a little about the people and I appreciate you sharing that kind of landscape of of what the team is going to look like. What are you doing from a technical debt perspective? How do you figure out companies invested in, you know, CRM, marketing automation, other um, tools? How do you look uh, at each one and decide what you're going to sunset, what you're going to continue using, and then maybe where you fill in the gaps of of tools that you don't have? Have you started that process yet? I guess the first question. I would think so. Yes, we have. Yeah, Yeah, no, we have. (laughs) (laughs) Some of them I won't probably be able to name off because we haven't told them that we're going to be moving off of them. But there are definitely things that when we went through this, I first I need to understand what's happening inside the legal industry because it's very different than any industry I've worked in before. So what? how do they manage their clients and communicate to their clients? What's their priority? It's very relationship-based, which was a good relief for me because that means I don't have to worry about a lot of demand gen and advertising brand. So I get to focus in the world of events and relationship type of um, marketing. So emails and things along these lines. So just reviewing the technologies, checking to see what's redundant, what's not being used, what's actually not helping us in causing more work back on the attorney secretaries and client development. Is there a replacement that's more automated? Um, Also looking at things like um, merging tools, data merging tools, that was the first thing I went after. I'm like, I need to be able to make sure there's one record of a person in every system. I don't need to have five versions of a person in our CRM. We need to have one record because one of the most important things the attorneys need to know is who knows this person. And 
in in real life, more than one person knows you. So we needed to make sure our systems allow for not eight versions of Danielle to be there so that all the eight people who know me have ownership of me. But one record of Danielle is there with all the eight relationships from our um, contacts within Goodwin. So cleaning up our system is huge. Data cleanse is huge. So that was one of the first things we did not have that I had to bring in. It took a very long time to process. Legal, just like banking, just like healthcare, have very strenuous uh, vendor review processes to bring in technologies. So, um, you know, it's a longer life cycle to get somebody approved and brought on in a tech stand, in a tech um, area. But when you do get them on, they're pretty much staying put. And um, hopefully they do execute what they promised you in all those presentations. Yeah, I, I'll I'll offer this. Sounds like you you're you're well skilled at, at doing this for everybody listening. Um, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you it's it's four areas, but I'll do it as UI and AI, just so you can remember for those of you that are out walking the dog or on a Peloton bike or doing something. But UI AI and what that represents is if you're assessing a a, a given Martech tool, um, you use these four areas. So U is for use. How much are you using the actual tool? There's a lot of tools that you buy and license and <clears throat> unfortunately just collect digital dust and don't get used at all. And, and when someone like you comes in, a new team comes in, you can unearth those and go, hey, how can we have this over here? Anybody using that? No, we um, we got that for a survey that we were doing for an annual survey and we did that and we don't seem to use it anymore. So use is the, is the U. The I is for um, impact. So, and, and I would, you know, score of zero to five, in these areas, I've got some tools that, that uh, certainly we, I think we have some in our resource center, but um, maybe we can put some links to some in the show notes. But so use and then impact. Uh, one scale of one to five, how much impact is that tool bringing? And that could be a subjective feeling because it'd be something that really makes the team efficient. So it makes us efficient. I'm not saying, you know, go to crazy and take a look at how many hours you're saving with it. Like it's either providing value or it's not. And just, you know, what rate that impact. Then the AI part is adoption. So you might have a sales enablement tool and maybe there's like three people in sales using it, but you have license for 15. We just did our Salesforce renewal um, because we've got still a current instance from running demand gen. Demand gen was on Marketo and Salesforce and as BDO Digital, the, the standup that we're doing is now we're part of them. Uh, we're gonna be on Marketo and Dynamics. And so we've got a sunset Salesforce at some point, but we'll do that in the future and the team knows that. So I'm not, I'm not spoiling uh, as, as you were saying, but uh, you definitely have to look at adoption. And we were able to cut some seats and save some money because we had grown our user count, even though we were doing a renewal, we could trim some licenses there. So adoption, scale of one to five. And the last one uh, is integration. And this one I think is really important because both the, the positive and the negative, if you have a tool that's really integrated with a lot of systems and really tightly, you know, weaved into your infrastructure. But let's say those others, you know, not getting much use, not getting much impact. Well, it's going to be hard to unplug it. It's going to take time. It's going to take effort. That work that you're talking about, it's going to take planning and it's going to then, then take the work to do it. So integration um, is, is important as well. So those are the four areas I typically recommend. We've created workbooks and some tools to help a MarTech council, you know, something, a group that you might lead go, let's talk about the 27 tools that we have. Let's score them across 
you know, these areas, we perform these, you know, for some of our clients and, you know, it's amazing how much money you can save just by um, taking the time away from the tool, being proactive, as you said, and working on that. You have any tricks or, or tips for yourself or approaches oh, that you I'm, use? I'm not that uh, methodical, but I definitely will immediately go in and say, why are we using this? What is going on? Why is this not being used? What was the purpose of purchasing this material? I also am going to jump in there. So one of the things we have is something for landing pages. That's great. But then has anyone talked about SEO? Have we talked about the full SEO strategy and impact? Should that be a good one-time thing? Or should we then instead focus more on how to build out a section or a series of pages to address this one specific area? So, you know, um, I definitely come back in trying to say, is this the best tool? Should we be doing this? Um, is this something that's nice or and if it is what we want, if the firm wants to do something that's nice, it's okay too. Um, or any organization, there were yeah. things where I just came from before this that, yes, we did some things that wasn't as impactful as if we had done it a different way with a different system, but it's what the leadership wants. Is this what we really are expecting from this as, a, as an organization? Um, so I do, I will sometimes push because if it's a, if it has more long tail impact, we want, we want those tools in there. We want things that are going to help us scale and be more successful and to to grow um the business not it's nice to do something one-off but if it's not going to lead to substantial growth or help us along the way then that i think that's too much effort into one area so it is very much about what are we doing are we using the tool and yes like you said is it is there is there an impact is there a positive impact from this tool that we can measure and show back I've seen too where people don't use any metrics. Um, they're just doing things, which I, I find to be very interesting because if you're doing things, you don't know what you're leading towards. There's no end goal. I feel like you're just doing things. So, you know, as we are in marketing operations and technologies, we are trying to measure and build towards attribution, knowing our impact knowing that what we did was a positive impact for the organization, having a story to say why marketing is important and sales important. So when we're not building anything towards telling those narratives, it's time to come back and say, we should, and make sure we have all the right tools to help us tell that story and that everything is connected. If it's from UTM parameters to actual physical integrations, make sure those things are there so that we can tell a story about why marketing is very important to the organization. Wanted to, I love that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I, I want to make it a little bit uh, personal too, and ask you a question, which is, you know, as, as the head of marketing operations, I was talking with Rob Mayo over at Splunk, um, I've known Rob for well over a decade, and he runs marketing ops at Splunk and his boss, Renault, who I also know very well, been a client of ours for a long time. And I knew Renault from being in a customer advisory board together in the, in the ABM space. The uh, he's now acting CMO, Renault is, but he he runs marketing operations. And the reason is that the CMO is going on maternity leave. And so I asked Rob, I said, how do you, how do you feel about that, Rob? Like, how does Renault feel about that? Does he, does he, does he like the arts and crafts stuff? Because I really, you know, see Renault as, you know, just an incredible leader from a marketing operations perspective. And as you know, it's so different. How'd you wind up? My question for you is like, what was your path into marketing technology and why did you pick part two is why'd you pick the technology side as opposed to uh, Rob actually calls it the shapes and colors uh, part of marketing, but uh, 
love to get your your story and and how you ended up there and kind of maybe your thoughts around one versus the other aspect. Oh, I loved marketing even from back in high school. I actually had a teacher who came over from um, Computer Associates. She left working in marketing Computer Associates and was teaching us marketing in high school, and I loved it. So I actually studied it in high in college, graduated with a degree, went into advertising. That was my first experience fully in creative, real arts and crafts area. I was very uncomfortable, but I felt like that was a great growing experience because that showed me what creative is, showed me what um, advertising is and what great advertising can be. So I was really glad I got that experience, but I also felt super uncomfortable and wanted to go back into the more business side of, of marketing and ended up in a couple of different organizations um, that I was the only marketer. I was it. So I was the one doing print brochures, mailings. I did direct direct mail back in the day, ads. I do ad placement, um, radio placement. So I was doing everything. I was the, I was marketing. I was every single aspect of marketing. And in um, 2012, I went to a company that was owned by a private equity firm. It's called CFO. They have been sold twice since I left there. And the idea was that they wanted me to come in just with new product marketing. And I told them where I just was. I was starting to really get into my email systems and the data. I did a big data cleanup when I was at Reputation Institute. I just was talking to the um, SVP about this interesting concept. Like, who am I really sending these emails to? What is, what is going on with them? Why are they engaging? Why do I have data in here that's not even good? Like, I, didn't, I did not know all these concepts yet. And when I spoke to him, he really clicked with me because he was more of an IT guy that became now the school product guy. And at that place, they actually promoted me within a couple of months to head the marketing team um, for CFO. And I went from a small team and grew it. And while I was there, the question kept going, who's reading our content? How do we grow our readership? And I actually brought a marketing automation system in that was not meant for publications. I brought in something called Marketo. And that's how I really learned a lot about that type of system, the automations, the scoring, we made it work so well for understanding content consumption from our readership that helped advertisers. We were able to help grow the advertising um, sales. We were helping get more advertisers in from how we were helping execute their programs back to the readership. And when they sold, that's when I decided to leave and I actually went to a small marketing automation consultancy and really threw myself more into this operation side. Because I realized in that role that my mind is more about the framework. It's not about the arts and craft part. So, and I was not a copywriter. That was mm-hmm. another thing. They just kept telling me, work on your copywriting, work on your copywriting. And one of my bosses like, just focus on what you're strong at. And I was strong at this other side, this frameworking side, the ability to sit down and, and create an understanding of here's our audiences, this is who we have to speak to, and then keep going down further. This is what they're concerned about. So this is sort of the content we need. So help us guys get the content. And then here, we're going to operationalize it in the systems. And then here's how all the results are going to come. So it's all this great like back-end stuff. And I hope in the future, more of us ops people become sort of the chief of staffs to CMOs because we get this side. Um, I, I don't want to be a CMO. I think that's too much pressure. I'm not, I'm not great with PR. I'm not great with brand. But I'm happy to help. I'm happy to be there to be that sort of bridge to you have this great idea. Let's systemize it and optimize it and make it happen. So I think I'm hoping in the future we'll see more of these type of sort of 
chief operating marketing managers that sort of just right next to the CMOs. Yeah. I'll, I'd, I really appreciate your candor there because a lot of people go up the ranks, they get to a role in marketing operations, and then they want to be CMO because they see it as, you know, the top of the totem pole or the org chart. And I really do a lot of coaching and consulting. I tell people like, I'm not sure you want that role. Why do you really want it? Um, you know, because it's so different and I'll be checking in with Renault as well and just see how things are going and lend my support there because there are definitely different muscles, uh, to flex, you know, for sure. They really, they really are. And having been at two very large organizations before Goodwin. So we just promoted our uh, managing director to chief communication officer and he's awesome. I'm so excited for him. I love working with him, but where I just came from at CIT and the place before that with MSK, they were more PR people. Like our CMO at both of those organizations was more PR communications folks um, that had some heavy brand, heavy brand, heavy field. So it, it's a very, they, they took care of and the pressure from them, especially um, CIT, because you have stocks. That was mm-hmm. a publicly traded organization. It's different. Like your role was totally different. You're working, you're worrying about your, your image and the investors thoughts about you. And if you're not exposed to that, it's something that I think you can really fail at real fast. So, you know, feeling comfortable to keep growing and pushing yourself, I'd rather stay in an area where I'm supporting in the operations land and not taking on that whole communications brand piece. Yeah. It's something that I haven't been doing day to day. And I think it's just a huge yeah. gap. The, va- um, the value is tremendous. The value is tremendous. I mean, CMOs. So, so much transient movement within CMOs coming in, coming out. You rarely see someone stay there for more than, than three years. And, you know, to establish a brand or take a brand to the next level and the content strategy, I mean, it's a lot of work. And But I see marketing operations and technology people um, really more firmly planted uh, and, and working there. Were you, you know, technical growing up? Uh, you, you, I, it's such a common path for so many of us that became very um, proficient in Marketo or Eloqua Salesforce Marketing Cloud, Pardot, HubSpot, what have you, but kind of start with marketing automation and then use that and, and keep growing within marketing technology. But where were you before that? Was that was that your foray into technology or have you been a technologist uh, as you were younger, playing with computers or what have you? I was just laughing with my mom. I'm like, you had an ESER, I think, computer that we have to do MPROMs to play our education game. So like we had a computer in my household since I, it's since the eighties. So like we've had a computer around me my whole life. Um, so I've been very comfortable with technology. I also joke, I'm really into jigsaw puzzles. So I love, you know, a thousand piece uh, puzzle and it's all about sort of figuring out the logics. Yeah. So I know people who are really good at um, marketing automation as well, who are really good with math because of the logics of the, of the sequel. Um, so that whole, if this, then that, it sort of starts to make sense. And again, I think it's just understanding puzzles and how everything can fit together. I think that also helps in this area. Yeah, for sure. I started as a young programmer and liked writing software and then, you know, kind of followed that into technology, but then that led into, you know, career in, in marketing and sales and, and then being an entrepreneur a couple of times. And so it's, we look back at our path, uh, we, we see those. I'm glad you glad you share with your mom about that investment in the family. 80s is early to have a computer. Yeah. A lot of, you know, you're way ahead. 
I was I was not even 10. I was like, what I did ask her, why did you get that? Like I know we also had an Atari. We were like one of like early Atari adopters. It was like, why did my parents were just like it was something that we felt you might need to know. I was like, they have such interesting insight, my parents. I was like, okay, cool. Well, thank you. So like so I definitely use that all the way through my career, um, understanding a computer. But yeah, it was it was interesting. They 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 figured out what was sort of cutting edge. They also had a really good camcorder i did not go into film obviously but like they they definitely were on the cutting edge of what we might need to be exposed to nice that uh, you you bring up film and i talked about video editing uh i've definitely on the weekend been playing with new technology now in what's called virtual production the tools that are used to make the mandalorian and a lot of the animated uh shows and they're just very very powerful tools and i'm just always trying to i've been really you know looking at the metaverse and and uh, virtual reality and augmented reality and really trying to look out like what is content marketing going to look like in the future and and we see people on youtube these days and on on twitch but it's, these tools are allow us to create characters and i i we it won't be very long i don't think before people start creating um meta humans of themselves or a fictional looking character of themselves and bring those characters to life uh, in these channels, you, you, you heard it here first, all right, it's, it's happening. It's just very, very niche. So I'm like fully geeking out on these tools on the weekend and, and playing with them. I have no, <laughs> I, it's a squirrel for me right now to just, just play around and look at new tech, but we'll see where that goes. Well, thank you so much, Danielle, for, for taking some time on a Friday afternoon, uh, you know, to, to talk about the team that you're building there and, and how you're reviewing your stack and, and re-architecting, um, some things. Uh, I am always here for you, as as you know. Uh, if you want to bounce ideas, you and I are going down a similar path together. Mia uh, Kemp and uh, the rest of the team. You know, we've got uh, under Mia is our head of marketing operations, our head of client acquisition uh, and expansion, and then our head of product marketing as well as a head of content marketing. So those are our our key leaders, and we've built out team members there. We're now at nine total team members. You know, starting from zero. Uh, and we're, we'll end up at about, uh, we'll, we'll see where we get to, but, um, anywhere from probably 15 to 24 team members by the end of the year. Uh, and we are looking to launch our first website around the August timeframe. So BDO Digital's never had its own website. And so we're bringing that and going to create the brand. I, uh, it's, it's really exciting. And, and I got some great team members that are really good at that, you know, the, the, the colors and shapes and, and, and some really tech, great technologists. So really proud of you and, and, and the work that you're doing there. Um, if you guys are not connected to Danielle, uh, feel free to reach out to her on LinkedIn. It's always great to expand your network with the guests that I have here on the program. We'll put a link to her LinkedIn bio in the show notes. Uh, if you listen to this episode on your favorite podcast app, that's great. But you're also encouraged to check out us on the YouTube channel. It's uh, you know, you can just go to YouTube and search for the word demand gen and you'll find it with a nice red and white logo. It says DGTV, but you can also go to demandgen.tv instead of .com and that will take you right to the channel. Don't forget on either of those platforms to hit subscribe so that you can find your way back. And on YouTube, uh, if you click that little bell and turn on notifications, then you'll find out when we make a new episode, which while it's every week, um, you know, you may, you may forget that this content is out here and we just put up... I guess it would probably be about a week or two ago once you, once you, you know, the, the early listeners hear this, uh, a demo for lean data on their new book it technology. So if you'd like to see MarTech, 
We were talking about MarTech today, but if you'd like to see new tools and check it out, another reason to check out the YouTube channel. That's going to do it for this episode. I uh, hope you guys are having a wonderful, wonderful day and a wonderful summer. Now that it's here, the kids are home. For those of you that has kids, get outdoors, have a good time. Uh, and I'm just always grateful uh, to have you as uh, active listeners and and really great engagers. So thank you for your reach outs to me on LinkedIn. I'd love to know that you're out there. If you want to post any type of comment or question, uh, you know, on the YouTube channel, I'd look at all of those and, and, and really encourage you to do that. That's going to do it for this episode. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing. 